Well, I want to welcome everyone at all of our locations as we continue to dive into, as a church, some amazing plot twists that Jesus lays out in his parables. And today, we are going to look at one that is challenging. Last week, we looked at one that was kind of challenging in a different way, whereas Pastor Carter rolled out the parable of the Good Samaritan. And if you didn't check that out last week, you can go online and watch it. And it was amazing because it inspired us to move forward, to reach out to people who are different than we are. And I kind of left last week with a little bit of the Jesus high that I can change the world. I hope that's what happened for all of you. If you are expecting the same thing today, it ain't going to happen. I hope you brought your steel-toed boots with you today because this parable is going to step on your toes. It is really challenging, but I think all of us are up for the challenge today. And so we're going to dive in, and I'm going to introduce the topic through Jesus' own words that he says right before he shares this parable. And Jesus said this in Luke 12, 15, Watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of of possessions. It's not going to be a warm, tingly feeling today, is it? Just that word, just that phrase, greed, be on guard, creates some emotions in us. But you know, I think the reality is most of the time we ignore the word greed. Because I bet this has never happened to you. Have you ever been sitting with a friend and they've been sharing about their struggles And they've looked at you and said, you know, I'm a really greedy person. Has that ever happened to you? No one ever says that. No one ever says, I'm a really greedy person. I've had people sit down with me and say they're struggling with anger. They're struggling with lust. They're struggling in their marriage. They're struggling with their kids. But never have they said, I am really struggling with greed. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? that we don't talk about it. And so to begin the conversation, I think I want to start with something that we can all agree on. And I think you'll agree with me that this is the definition, at least the world's definition of greed. Now Jesus is going to reframe it for us, but this is the definition of greed straight out of the dictionary. And it says, greed is simply a selfish and excessive desire for more of something than is needed. And so basically it's pointing to needs, what we need, and anything beyond that is greed. And so I bet if you're like me, you can think of people in your life, you're like, man, they have a boat? That's excessive. Who needs a boat? You can think of people on your block who you're like, they've got all sorts of things around their house, even maybe it's just their house in general, and you're like, that's more than's really necessary. You know, I think we can see people around us. Now, if you were to ask me, am I a greedy person? I would probably tell you no. I would probably say I don't think so. Well, maybe there's a little. Maybe a little, but not very much. Like, I'm kind of a food, shelter, water kind of guy, you know? That's all I need, just food, shelter, and water. I'm good to go. That's how my grandpa kind of raised it, how my dad did. 
It's like the bare necessities. That's all you need. I think, though, people like this guy are pretty greedy. So this is Jeff Bezos. Some of you know who this is. He is the CEO of Amazon. And so I saw a show on TV that showed his house. And when I think of things beyond need and necessity, I'm like, man, that guy has things beyond anything I could ever imagine. And so it's easy to look at him because, you know, I think we often think like greed is a problem for rich people. But let's be honest today, we've, we've really fueled his problem with greed, right? How many of you at all of our locations have an Amazon account? Look at all the hands. We should take some ownership to his problem, right? We have contributed to his problem. And so Amazon's an interesting thing, isn't it? You know, I can go on there and I can look for anything that I think I need and I can find it. And then sometimes it tells me what I need. Like, it's like it's suggesting things. And I'm like, I had no idea I needed that. But it's like I do. And you're probably like I am. I don't have the money to buy all those things I need. And so there's an amazing thing on Amazon called the shopping list. And so I just put it in my shopping list because I need it and I'll buy it when I have the money for it. Now my shopping list, I'm like, I've probably, these are things I need. And so I thought today I would show you what is in my shopping list, only the bare necessities. And so here is my shopping list. And so that looks like food, water, and shelter to me. And some of you are judging me right now. But the reality is, is when I put these in there, I thought I needed them. If you were to ask me right now, I need those. And so you want to do something that's really scary. Go look at your past orders in Amazon. Oh my gosh, there was no food, water, and shelter in mine. Like, it was a little scary. And so I was like, man, how many times a day do I think about more, that I need more? And so I came up with a count one day, and it was five times in an hour. In an hour. You see, our brains, we think about more all the time. We need more. We think about it. And so I want to ask you a question is, do you believe that greed is a problem? Is it really a problem? It's a problem we never talk about. But is it really a problem? And you know, I had my mind expanded around this idea of greed because I thought that this was just a rich person problem. And I'm not rich. Most of you at all of our locations, you wouldn't say you're rich. And so greed's probably not a problem for you. And so back in February, I was on a short-term trip in Ghana with a team here from Pathway. And I was in a village where the richest person in that village makes about $1,200 a year. And so I was talking to the pastor and I asked him, I said, so what is the greatest struggle that your people are facing? And he looked at me and he said, that's easy. Greed has gripped our hearts. And I look around and I'm seeing grass huts. 
And I'm like, he goes, I go, really? He's like, greed has gripped our hearts. The more we get, the more we want. And so I think what it showed me was this is not a how much is in your bank account problem. This is not that. It's, a, it's not a rich, poor. It's a disease of the heart. That's what greed is. You can have a lot and be greedy. You can have nothing and be greedy. But by the way, I don't know if you know this, and we've said this here before, but at all of our locations, all of you are in the richest 1% of people in the world. And so we have to know, remember what he said, the more we get, the more we want. It is a problem. But it's a problem that we have to admit this, is greed is a sin we see in others, but we don't see in ourselves. That's why I think Jeff Bezos is greedy. I can't see it myself, but I'm like, it's his problem and not mine. And so as we step into this, we have to be honest with ourselves. And so whether you're a follower of Jesus here, or maybe you're not, you know, I think we have to admit that greed has possibly gripped our hearts. And Jesus is really going to speak to this in a way that redefines greed for each and every one of us. And so there is a man to thank for this conversation. And so if you're uncomfortable today and you don't like that we're talking about this, it really isn't my fault. There was a man that asked Jesus a request, gave him a request, and he's the reason that we have to talk about this. Because Jesus wasn't even talking about greed or money or anything. He was actually giving a message that described things of the kingdom of God. He was talking about if you profess me to the world, I will profess you to God. And then right before this man raises his hand in the middle of Jesus' message, Jesus simply says, if you don't know what to say in front of a large crowd, I will, your Holy Spirit, my Holy Spirit will give you the words. And then this guy, for some reason, thought, this is a good time to break in. And so we're going to look at the question, really it's more of a request, that he asks of Jesus. And it's found in Luke 12, 13, so you can flip in your notes uh, in, your, in the Pathway Church app, or you can flip in your Bibles and follow along, or it'll be up here on the screen. And so we find this guy raises his hand, and he says this to Jesus. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. You see, this guy had been sitting here listening to Jesus preach, but he didn't come to listen. He came to get Jesus to do something for him that he thought was really unfair. You see, back in the Jewish culture, back in that day, the oldest son received twice the inheritance the younger son did. And so this is obviously a younger son, and he's telling Jesus, can you tell my brother to be fair? Can we fix this thing? Divide the inheritance equally between us. He's wanting Jesus to make his brother do what he wants him to do. And Jesus responds, and I think he was a little irritated, don't you? 
He was a little irritated that this man interrupted him. But Jesus seizes the moment, and I think people should have knew this back, in, back when Bible times. Like, if you know over time, do not ask Jesus questions or requests. You're going to get more than you bargained for. And that's what happened in this case. And so Jesus, after he says this about greed, he goes into the parable that we know as the rich fool. He said this, and he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Now, I want everyone to be honest. When you hear that story, it sounds pretty good. It actually doesn't even sound that bad. It may even sound like something that we're striving for. Comfort, ease, joy, that's all the rich man wanted in this parable. He'd worked his whole life, and he had an amazing harvest, and he thought, you know what, I deserve this. I'm going to store it for myself. I'm going to retire. I'm going to enjoy life. This sounds like the American dream. And so when we hear this, we think, man, that sounds great. Because it is tied to the American dream. But the reality is the American dream has changed. That's why it sounds like this story. And so the American dream actually originated back during the Depression when people were struggling. And a guy by by the name of James Adams, he said this. This is the American dream. His life should be better and richer and fuller for everyone with opportunity for each according to ability or achievement, regardless of social class or circumstances of birth. You see, that was the original American dream. But the reason why this parable sounds like the American dream to us is because the American dream has changed. It's changed. And I think a great picture of this is Jerry Reinsdorf, who is the owner of the Chicago Bulls, He defined the American dream like this. The American dream is to reach a point in your life where you don't have to do anything you don't want to do and can do everything that you want to do. That sounds like the story Jesus just told, doesn't it? And that is the American dream we think is the dream when we look at people like Jeff Bezos. We look at the rich We look at people who are so-called rich. Because remember, we're the richest 1% of people in the world, but we think that's what we're aiming for. And so there's a major plot twist that's coming now because up to this point, this parable sounds pretty good. Sounds like what we're aiming for. But Jesus was not done. He then said this, But God said to him, said to the rich man, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, 
but is not rich towards God. And silence went over that crowd that day, I believe, just like it is for us. If we're not uncomfortable at this point, you should be. Because the reality of what Jesus just said to get our attention, to prove the point of how dangerous and how dark greed can be, is he said God killed this guy. He said his very life would be demanded from him. And he would not even get to enjoy what he laid up for himself. You know, so today, as we really dig in and try to figure out how do we take this parable and what do we do with it, I think there's one thing that we can all agree on. Is I don't want to be any rich fool. I don't want to be any rich fool. And so how many of you at all locations, you could say right now with clarity, that I don't want to be any rich fool. Raise your hand. You don't want to be any rich fool. Okay, awesome. There's a few of you that aren't convinced yet. <laughs> I thought Jesus would have crossed. So I have a friend, and his name is Mr. T, and he's going to say it to you in a different way. Is He said it like this. I pity the rich fool. Okay, so if you have to say that to yourself, I pity the rich fool. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's funny. All right? Because that is about the A-team. Anyways, you'll have to look it up later. But we should pity the rich fool. Because the rich fool in this parable invested his entire life and held something up as a comfortable life, and then he didn't even get it. Do you see that? It's like he didn't even get what he wanted. He worked his whole life, and then it was gone. And so we really need to pay attention to what Jesus is saying here. So the first thing that I think that we can surface out of this parable is that we destroy in our pursuit for comfort and joy. And so I want you to think back to the parable of the rich man. He had an amazing harvest. And he was trying to figure out what to do, and so he decided he would tear down and destroy his barns so that he could build bigger ones. Big, shiny, beautiful barns to put all of his grain in. You see, we do this. We destroy things in our lives because we're like, that isn't good enough. And I can tell you being a farmer's son, a farmer in Kansas would never do that. They're way too cheap for that. They wouldn't tear down a barn. They never tear down a barn. They fall down before they tear them down. They would have had a barn and they would have been like, I need another barn. So they would have just built another one. But this man did something weird. Is he tore down the barns he had. Jesus talked about this kind of way that we go about life. In Matthew 16, 26, when he said this, What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You see, this man was willing to destroy everything so that he could store it up, and I think so that he could impress people and look good. You and I do this. We destroy things in our life to build it up and build bigger barns. About 15 years ago, I did this in my life, and it was destructive. 15 years ago, I was still full-time on, on our family farm, and I thought I needed a new truck 
everybody was getting new trucks. I thought I needed one. And so I went down to the Chevy dealership, and I found the perfect truck that would get the job done. It was really nice, wasn't loaded. It was just kind of get the job done. But then across the lot, I saw the truck. I saw a Chevy Silverado heavy-duty 2500 Duramax diesel with the Allison transmission, shiny with the chrome grill, everything on it. And I thought, God wants me to have that truck. <laughs> right? That's how we think. I need to have that truck because it's going to be comfortable. It's going to create joy. I can just see myself in that truck. I could see people seeing me in that truck. And so I did. I signed the dotted line, and there was one catch, a $500 a month payment for that truck. But I thought, I can carry it. Like, this truck will bring me comfort and joy. I got I to gotta get what I think I need. And so, I destroyed in my pursuit for comfort and joy. Because a year or so later, we had little kids and we wanted to take them on a vacation and create some memories. But I didn't have any money because I destroyed for my pursuit of comfort and joy. And then something even deeper happened that really had more spiritual consequences than that. Is that here at Pathway 15 years ago about, we were doing an initiative to build children and student space at the Westlink campus. And we were challenged to see to ask God what he would have us give, and I felt like God gave me a number. And I went home and I ran the numbers, and you know what was in the way of God's number? $500 a month. And for some reason, the banker wasn't flexible. You know, you and I do that. Whether it's houses, whether it's laying up money in retirement, whether it's cars, whether it's guns, whether it's bows, whether it's shopping sprees, whatever it is for you. We do that. We destroy in our pursuit for comfort and joy. The second thing that we can learn from the rich man is that we believe greed is the way we succeed. Because when we look at rich people, we're like, man, they went out and they got it and they kept it and they're enjoying it. And so we think that's the way we go about things. We think that's the way to happiness. We think greed is the way of this world. It's the American dream. But we need to pay attention to what Jesus said. There is a warning here. And if you remember, right at the end of the parable, Jesus says that the man's very life will be taken from him. And he won't get to enjoy what he laid up. And then Jesus redefines greed. A new definition of greed for the world. And it's found in Luke 12, 21. And he says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So the new definition of greed is this, if we store up things for ourselves and we're not rich towards God. We cannot like that. You can even feel guilty about it today. This is not about guilt and shame, about where you are today. This is about what we do moving forward. And each and every one of us have a decision, a choice, about what our lives are going to be about and how we overcome greed. And generosity is what Jesus is pointing to. 
and it is the cure for greed. And so the question for all of us is, are you storing up things for yourself, but not being rich towards God? And so today I can tell you for certain that it's a problem in my own life, and it's a problem here at Pathway Church. Because we know that 50% of the people who call Pathway Church their home give zero in a calendar year. Like, that should get our attention. You know, the reality is it's not just the 50%. So don't think if you give that it's like, well, I'm glad he talked about those other people. It's also for those of us who give. Because I give, but I can tell you that this is a problem. I find ways to store things up for myself. And each and every one of us, if we're honest, we need a new heart. We need a new heart because greed, just like in Ghana, has gripped our hearts. And we are blind to it and we don't want to talk about it, but we need to deal with it. And so we need to be redeemed. And so to be redeemed, we must have a bigger dream. We have to have a bigger dream. We need to ask God to give us a heart transplant in this area of our lives. And I want to tell you, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you know the emptiness of this pursuit of greed. It leaves you empty every time, and you need to be redeemed. And Jesus wants to redeem all of us in this area. And so many times as we think about greed, it's so hard to see, and so I need examples of people who can help me see what it really looks like. And here at Pathway Church, we had the opportunity to celebrate a man's life who passed, who I feel shows us what this can look like and the legacy that it can leave behind. His name is Vic Coates, and here's a picture of Vic and Ruth. And Vic was 95 when he died. And I'm telling you what, Vic is a faithful, faithful person. Vic was a person who has encouraged so many people. But there's parts of Vic that I didn't know about until I went to the service this past week and a half. Is Vic was one of the most generous people over 60 years in the existence of Pathway Church. He was one of the founding elders, and he was always a faithful giver. There's different, there is a difference between giving when you want to, giving when you feel like, and being faithful over a long period of time, because faithfulness is where generosity changes our hearts, and we overcome the greed. And so Vic lived that out, probably one of the top five givers in the history of our church. And he understood that it was the cure for greed. Vic didn't stop there. Vic had a truck. It was blue and it was known as God's truck. That's what people called it. Because anyone who had need, Vic would throw him the keys and say, bring it back when you're done. It just sat there. It was something that he technically owned, but he realized that God owned everything. And so that was God's truck, so he gave. And it didn't even end there. When he reached the age where he could retire, him and Ruth decided to do something that seems really crazy to me. Is instead of living a life of ease and enjoying retirement, they decided to go spend months in the mission field in countries far away where life is not easy, where it's hard. But 
They chose the dream that God had over the little dinky dream that they may have. You know, you and I's dreams are so stupid sometimes. I've had a dream of a truck and a four-wheeler before. You think how small that is? If I could just get that, I thought, man, my dreams would come true. Thank God it mourns the heart of God when our dreams are so small. And so today, God is just pleading with you. And Jesus gives us this parable so that we would understand the power when we overcome greed, that the dream, the great dream, the life that's truly life that God has for our lives becomes real. And so today, some of us need to begin the journey of being rich towards God in all areas of our life. And I also know today that some people at all of our locations that you have never accepted Jesus, you've never been redeemed from your sin, and your life is empty because of this. And so today, I want to give you the opportunity to accept Jesus for the first time and get a new heart, and God will begin a whole new journey towards the life that's truly life for you as well. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you, Lord, for the gift of your Son. And God, I thank you for the powerful teachings that Jesus rolls out to us in the parables. God, if we're honest today, this is a difficult parable for all of us. Because, because God, it really calls out the darkness inside of our own hearts to really seek after and to be rich towards ourselves and not rich towards you. God, I know that I've been convicted this week, God, that I need to reorientate my life around generosity and being rich towards you. And God, I think that so many of my brothers and sisters here, they feel the same way, God. We want a new heart. We want to live differently. And God, we need your help to do that. And so God, today, I just think we want to make a commitment to you that not later down the road will we do this, but today and this week, God, we will begin the journey. Maybe it's giving for the first time here at Pathway Church. Maybe it's being more generous with our time. Maybe it's selling some of the junk that we have in our lives and putting our eyes on you. Whatever that may be, God, I pray that you would convict us right now of being rich towards you and not storing up for ourselves. And so today, if you want to make a commitment to God to being more to being rich towards him and not storing up for yourselves. I just want you to declare that to him by simply raising your hand right now at all of our locations. Raise your hand right now if you want to grow and be more rich towards God. Awesome. Let me pray for all of you. Father, I thank you, God, for conviction that the teachings of Jesus bring to our hearts, God. Lord, I pray for each of us that you would give us a new heart and Lord, that we would have a bigger dream beyond our things, our stuff, our money, the things that we want. God, I pray that we would not store up for ourselves, but on every occasion that you give us, God, that we would be rich towards you. Father, I also know that there's some here in this room that they have never been redeemed. They've never been redeemed from the sin and the shame and the guilt that has plagued their lives. And today, as they really even discovered inside their own heart, the emptiness that lies as they chase after the things that we all chase after, that they know they need a new heart and a new dream. 
And it's only the new heart and the dream that Jesus can provide. And so today, if you would like to accept Jesus for the first time, I just want to invite you to pray this simple prayer with me in the quietness of your heart. Father, I know that sin and shame and guilt have gripped my heart. But today, Jesus, I choose to accept you and I hand my sin and my shame and my guilt over to you. I trust in the perfect sacrifice that you made for my sins on the cross. And I choose to grab hold of the new life that is truly life, that is only found in the power of your resurrection. Today, Jesus, I choose to follow you and walk a new life. Now, with everybody's head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I just want to challenge you and invite you to be really bold right now by declaring that decision to God, by simply raising your hand and so that I can pray for you. Raise your hand right now if you prayed that prayer for the first time. Raise your hand right now. Awesome, several hands. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we all have to have a new heart and a new life that is only found in Christ. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters who have accepted you for the first time, God, that your Holy Spirit would guide them and God, that we would believe the words of Jesus of what the life that's truly life looks like. God, I pray that you would help us to overcome the darkness that is inside our hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray all of this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.